Hello and welcome to Think Configurations podcast. My name is Elle. If you are a new listener, welcome. And if you are a returning listener, welcome back. Today we're going to be talking about two different topics. They have some similarities. One's going to be about a place and the other one's going to be about a person more or so. Now, this topic is quite interesting because I've actually been thinking about, you know, these two different things over the last few months. And I finally just kind of sat down and was like, hey, did enough research or did enough, you know, Googling and YouTubing? Let's go ahead and talk about this. So this kind of brings me to a question. Have have you or anyone that you know gone through maybe some kind of surgery, um, some kind of very important, very serious medical maybe procedure? I actually went through something pretty serious and maybe not. I think it's pretty common. I thought it was serious because I thought I was dying. <laughs> but about two years ago, I actually started having some health issues where I would eat specifically um, maybe certain greasy foods or certain, um, let's just put like fast food or very heavy foods. And I would start experiencing like digestive issues. I never had it before. And I had noticed as I was getting older, I was having a lot of um, digestive issues or like I became lactose intolerant from one day to another. It was very much like one day to another, things just changed. So I just kind of wrote it off like, whatever, I'm getting older. Maybe I just won't eat that. And so one morning, I, I don't even think I had anything to eat. And I started working And suddenly I had this really like intense pain, like in the middle of my stomach. I actually thought it was maybe like a heart attack or like something having to do with my chest because it was that intense. And I remember I was like, well, I didn't eat anything. And so I went ahead and had something very easy, you know, very light for breakfast and went into lunchtime. I was still having this intense pain. And at this point, like I was getting um, shivers, like it was, you know, pretty bad. So I ended up going into urgent care. And I remember they sent me like immediately to the emergency room because they're like, hey, we have no idea what's wrong with you. And we don't have the equipment here to help you. Because, well, I don't know, urgent care is more or less for like scrapes and cuts and maybe your occasional allergy problem. So they sent me to the emergency room and then there they're like, hey, we're going to have to go ahead and do some quick x-rays and ultrasound and all this stuff. I was in so much pain. I remember, you know, my husband was sitting there and, you know, I was upset. I was crying and he was just like, he didn't know what to do. It was a terrible terrible experience. Um, Luckily, they they put me on morphine and that made it all better, at least for the time being. And then they basically told me, hey, um, we need to take your gallbladder out. So at that point, first of all, I'm freaking out because I don't know what that means. (laughs) They broke it down to me um, and they were like, look, it happens. Sometimes it gets to a certain age and um, no worries. You'll be fine. We'll take it out. No worries. Okay, cool. So I think like a week or two after the emergency visit, I went into surgery and I was really nervous because it was the first time I had like major surgery done where they had to put me under. And honestly, I've watched too many horror movies where like the patient wakes up in the middle of surgery. And I really thought that's what was going to happen to me. 
Um, <laughs> I remember like they, you know, I said goodbye to my husband and I headed over to, you know, the back, um, my, my actual room, you know, they changed me out of my clothes. And then um, once the, the nurse, you know, went out there, put me under anesthesia, she's like, count to, I think she's like, count from 10 down. So I don't even think I made it to like seven when I was knocked out. And then I remember them taking me out from my room in the, uh, in the bed, rolling me out. And uh, the next thing you know, I woke up and I'm like, are we done yet? And they're like, yeah, because it was that quick. So, you know, thankfully I didn't wake up in the middle of surgery. The recovery process, I have to tell you, was one of the most painful things I've experienced. The first few days I couldn't laugh. I couldn't do much of anything. I, you know, my husband had to help me like get in and out of the shower. I couldn't eat much of anything. And um, yeah, I honestly, you know, really should be doing better with my health now and I'm not, but (laughs) just thinking back to that experience, right? I really wish that someone would have just been like, hey, take this magic tea or this magic potion and don't go through surgery or the recovery uh, process and you'll be fine. That would have been like my... Maybe, maybe what I wanted to do, like that would have been my, my wish, but it wasn't like that. So that kind of brings us to our episode today. We're going to get into one of Mexico's most known chamanes, and this is going to be Pachita. So she was a Mexican psychic surgeon who claimed that she was possessed by the spirit of the Aztec emperor, Guatemoc, and he would basically use her body to heal people in miraculous ways Um, or like basically there was no actual hospital involved or tools I mean basically what I found here is that she would use like a rusty hunting knife instead of her bare hands but she would use a, a rusty hunting knife to remove certain organs from people that were maybe not working for them anymore and conduct these surgeries and then they would like recover as of nothing happened right so this seems extreme I I think I might have told my dad this and you know coming from a Mexican background my dad was immediately like that lady was probably working with the devil (laughs) and you know we weren't there so we don't know however I don't think that's that was the case um we're going to stick to, you know, the facts or at least the information that I was able to find through my research. And what was said was that she was considered a miraculous person. She was able to heal people and conduct these surgeries, um, these organ transplants by simply using her hands. And she stated that she was possessed by the Aztec emperor, Guatemoc, who helped her uh, perform these miracles. So a little bit about Pachita was uh, that she was born in 1900 in the 1900s in Parral, Chihuahua. She was abandoned by her parents, and she was raised by an Afro-descendant named Charles, who taught her to observe the stars and to heal. Uh, Later, Bachita joined the ranks of the revolutionary Francisco Villa, where she fought. Uh, Poverty, she... She was also a cabaret artist, lottery ticket seller, and a singer on public transport. So she definitely had a tough upbringing, a tough life, which again brings you to, you know, why would she, 
why would she lie about such a gift? You know, why would she bring so much attention to her, right? So her fame spread in the 1970s, where her office was in the Casa de las Brujas in the Roma neighborhood. It was attended by characters from all social classes. So she became pretty popular. Like you had politicians, you had famous people come and see her conduct these surgeries. And again, like I said, it was basically consisting of her opening patients with an old knife, extracting damaged organs, and placing a new one materialized through a wonder. So she would basically place her hands on their bodies, take out these damaged organs, and then replace them. Like she would just make these new organs appear in her hands and she would replace them. Um, There was no evidence of a surgical process because honestly, uh, I can't imagine they had too many people as witnesses in something like this and even if you did see that would you really want to talk about it I mean I feel like most people would think you're you're out of your mind so when we go into her stating that how she was able to heal these people she she would say that you know that she was possessed by spirit of Guatemoc whom she called little brother so according to her he's really the one that made these miracles happen um, now I definitely think that I, I went through a few pictures and to me, the pictures themselves are very interesting. You know, I can't say whether they're faked or they were altered, um, you know, especially because they are from the 1970s. A lot of them are black and white, but you definitely see a lot of images included in, um, in my search that, you really can't explain what you're seeing. Uh, some of them are distorted. Some of them seem to be, I don't know, it's hard to explain, honestly. Uh, where some They can be a bit, you know, scary, uh, but other ones are just, it's just a wonder whether or not this really happened. And maybe we will never know because the internet is kind of uh, split in half here. Some of them state that she was, uh, a great shaman of Mexico and that she did heal these people with the help of Guatemoc or at least the spirit and others are like nope it's you know there's a science behind it she knew what she was doing she was fooling these people so honestly I would say do your own research you know get curious look her up look at the pictures you know let me know in the comments if you do what do you think I would like to think that there was something magical maybe there was something out of this world that happened and I say that just because personally I have had the um I would say I've been lucky (laughs) let's put it that way right I've been lucky enough trying to find the word here I've been lucky enough to be in the presence of someone who dedicated their entire life to subject a subject like this you know healing people and helping them it wasn't anything demonic Um, I know a lot of people always confuse those two things thinking that chamanists are somehow connected to like satan and demons and things like that and honestly a lot of the time it's not like that a lot of them go into spirituality just wanting to heal people not only physically but emotionally I recall the first time that I encountered someone of this background and I sat down with this person and she told me things about myself that only I knew and nobody else knew. Uh, That itself was was astonishing to me. So I think that really sealed it for me that there are people out there 
that are gifted that are able to communicate with our ancestors, whether you know that be in Mexico or whether that be in any other country, as long as they're being genuine, there are honestly, I feel people that are gifted in that way and able to connect to people that came before us and they're able to be taught certain things. The specific person that I was seeing was, I think, very genuine. Like I said, I sat down with her, never had seen her in my life, never had spoken to her before. And we just started talking. Uh, very basic information was given to her up to the point where she was telling me about myself. <laughs> so it is an experience, I would say, if you are ever in Mexico, just be aware. Again, it's Mexico. People will definitely know if you're a tour, some kind of tourist and they will come for your money. But if you find someone who's genuine in their craft, um, definitely appreciate their time because um, it does take a lot of energy is what I'm told. And um, they're actually not always able to, you know, to help everyone. But when they do, it's because someone in your past life has reached out to them and wants to communicate something with you. So we talked about Pachita, the person, the chaman. Now we're going to go ahead and move over to the place. So we're going to go ahead and dive into Catemaco, which is known as the witchcraft capital of Mexico. A few months ago, I actually ran into, uh, I think it was like a video on YouTube where there was a traveler who had visited Catemaco. It's in eastern Mexico. And he just went because he was curious about a certain cave that's located in the city where they said, or they have said for many, like we're talking about decades here, maybe more, that they have seen either some form of creature or some form of um, of like demon, something of that sort. In, in this cave that's located there. Why he would go looking for something like that, I don't know, <laughs> because I wouldn't. Um, but at the same time, this video has really got me into wanting to know more. And again, I say this because I really think that people tend to withdraw from certain topics like this because it scares them. And I really think that fear, it's just because we're not understanding what's going on. That's really where fear can come from. So was I a little bit maybe creeped out by what they were seeing in the cave or maybe the city itself? I mean, I'm not going to lie. It was a little bit, it was definitely a lot of new information for me. And some of it was like, whoa, that sounds really serious. Like a lot of these people who live in Catemaco are known to practice witchcraft and we are talking heavy things like sacrificing um, animals and you know the spells tend to be very much serious so I would say you know at your own discretion look it up on YouTube or Google learn a little bit more about the place um, but back to the city now they do have an annual witchcraft festival that attracts about 5,000 visitors from all over the world. And this usually happens in March, sometime in March. It is a beautiful place. It has a lot of beautiful lakeside settings, um, a lot of beautiful sites. And it's definitely a place that other than the whole witchcraft thing is, is really nice to visit. Like the shots that this uh, creator or like this uh, traveler was 
showing on YouTube were really beautiful. So now kind of going back around the same time that Pachita became famous, actually this town also is where it regained its, its, it gained its fame uh, back in the 1970s. It stated that, on you know, my research, it stated that um, the popularity spiked massively because of Gonzalo Aguirre, a renowned sorcerer who lived and practiced in the region. So during his lifetime, Aguirre performed rituals for politicians, actors, and business leaders. He also organized a witchcraft convention that brought together the country's top chamans for a black mass. After his death, the Anna Witchcraft Conference became a regular fixture and is now a three-day event held in March each year. The 13 most important witches in Catemaco, who are known as the Brothers, command considerable respect in the town. Over the years, the money flowing in from tourism has undoubtedly impacted on the witchcraft culture in the region. So basically, if you're there, you're a tourist, the city basically knows that you're there for one thing only, whether you're curious or you're there to have um, something done. So the the magic they conduct can be anything from needing a new job, um, getting someone to be your your uh, partner, which is more extreme, and of course, more serious and definitely more darker things that I'm not going to say on here, <laughs> but you can imagine the things that they can do. Uh, a lot of them, a lot of the people who live here are basically trained for this and they have been trained for years. I would say that they definitely know what they're doing, but like, uh, you know, like anything, not everything is bad. A lot of the tourists do go here because they're there for spiritual cleansing. So one of the more sought out rituals offered by the Catemacos witches is a limpia espiritual or spiritual cleansing which is a practice with pre-Hispanic roots that often incorporates prayers to Catholic saints. And the ceremony usually involves a chicken egg, some sprigs of rosemary and perfume, and to cleanse a person, a witch brushes their head, legs, and torso with the plants while muttering a, a prayer. And an egg is also rubbed against the body or across the body in a similar way before it's cracked into a glass of water. The witch examines the contents of the glass and delivers advice or predictions based on what they see. And this can relate to anything from relationships to money and often includes a warning or two about jealous friends or bad habits. The rite is typically closed by prayers and the, and the spraying of a generous amount of perfume. Now, a little bit insight. This is actually something that... Um, I remember that my mother used to take us to a lot to like you know, her, like her family friends that would practice these kinds of limpias. And um, I would say even as, as early as maybe, I don't know, almost probably like in my early grammar school years, I remember this going on. And to be honest, it was one of the most soothing rituals that I recall and I know ritual sounds like a bad thing but it's not I promise <laughs> it was just I remember after they would do this limpia to me even as a, a kid I would feel so relaxed and um, just so at peace with things um, as an adult I've I've done it um, as well and again it just feels like this whatever overwhelming feeling you had it's just gone and believe it, when they say jealous friends or, or bad habits, it happens. You know, 
as you know, someone that uses the evil eye as a symbol of protection a lot, um, it does happen. <laughs> Trust me, there are definitely people out there that um, may tell you they mean well and uh, behind your back, they maybe don't. So maybe something that you may want to research and maybe conduct on your own or maybe get someone that knows more about it, that's more experienced to do this. Now, like I said, there are, there's so much more to Katemako than just the, the witchcraft and the chamanes. There is definitely a lot of natural sites, um, and that is something that they um, pride themselves in. There seems to even be monkeys that were moved from the habitat from Thailand in 1974, and they continue to be there. There's also a lot of diversity of plants, other animals. There's a rainforest of those duxlas to be inhabited by all sorts of magical creatures. So that's also very interesting. There are uh, rumors about naguales, uh, powerful witches who are able to transform themselves into jaguars or pumas and prowl the forest at night. And some of the People who live there have even reported seeing chanekes. So um, you might have already heard about chanekes because Colors and I actually spoke about them a few episodes ago. If you haven't, check that episode out. It was probably maybe about six or seven episodes ago. Um, and uh, we both had experiences with these creatures, whether we heard them from someone else or maybe stories are passed down from our family. Um, basically, they're like little elves I would say um, for lack of a word in my brain right now they're like small creatures a lot of them don't mean harm they're just really mis- mischievous um, while others you know they could be harmful but um, just kind of depends how you treat them honestly <laughs> um, I definitely think that if I make it back to Mexico this year I definitely want to check out either Catemaco or the Island of the Dolls, which if you don't follow us on TikTok, definitely check us out. I just did a bonus episode of the Island of the Dolls, which is also, again, a topic that we discussed more in detail with Colors a few episodes ago on our podcast, and you can also um, check that episode out. But I would say this year, um, I plan on doing a few trips um, within the U.S., maybe within Mexico and maybe others out of the, um, out of the North America region. (laughs) Um, and if I do, I am so, you know, I would be so excited to share any findings of the supernatural paranormal, especially because I've been looking into so many different haunted locations in Europe, which is always fun. Um, but again, I think right now my focus is if I, when I go, because there was a trip planned, when I go to Mexico, I definitely want to make a trip either to uh, Catemaco or the Island of the Dolls, which seems, which seems that the more accessible um, trip would be to the Island of the Dolls, um, unfortunately for colors, because <laughs> you know I'm going to be taking him as well. He doesn't know. He's enough to find out when he listens to this episode, so pack your bags, babe. We're, we're going. Um but if we do that, I, I just can't wait. I think it's going to be really exciting. I am definitely going to share my experiences with you all. And um, I really hope you guys like this episode. And as always, thank you for listening and enjoy the rest of your day. <laughs>